Take your Bible, please. Go with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 is where we will be this evening. Have you ever heard another Christian say, when someone tries to give them the gospel, you ever been with somebody who's a believer and then someone who didn't know them or you, they come up and begin to witness to you or share the gospel? That, that happened to me this week. I was in a public place and there was a man on the sidewalk who was giving out gospel tracts and stopping people and saying, sir, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And that makes some people feel uncomfortable. I understand that. But he was asking, do you know Jesus? And he was not rude, wasn't, wasn't being a hindrance or anything like that. He was just posing a question. And I'm grateful for that, by the way. I'm grateful for people who still feel led to ask people if they know Jesus. And so when I walked by him, I took one of his cards I said, sir, I know Jesus. He saved me. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And we stopped and had a brief conversation. And I told him, I said, I appreciate what you're doing. And I mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. And sometimes when we're in that setting, I have been with people, and, and, and I've heard this done and happen, where someone will give them the gospel, and here's what they will say. Oh, I don't need the gospel. I'm already saved. Well, as if the gospel has no more effect upon us after we get saved. One, one Bible teacher wrote this, said, Many Christians seem to believe that the gospel is really only for unbelievers. The gospel is seen, he said, as the entryway into a relationship with God, but then once it has served its purpose, it should be set aside for, air quotes, more advanced things spiritually. I like what one pastor said. He said, in the Christian life, oftentimes, we view the gospel as the diving board. Like it's the springboard. It helps us get into everything else. But he said, the gospel isn't just the diving board, it's the swimming pool. And if you really understand, men and women, if we really are captured by what the gospel is and what the gospel is about, it is not only just to help people get saved. The gospel, if we understand it, is to be a motivation for every aspect of the Christian life. I like what one author, his name's Mitchell Chase, in his book, The Gospel is for Christians. He says Christians never leave the gospel behind for something bigger or better or deeper. The gospel is news, grounded in God's eternal counsel, he said. This is a message with depth scale, grandeur, that we cannot fathom. Write this down. We never outgrow the gospel, he said. We simply grow in our understanding of it. I'm afraid sometimes we think as Christians that, well, I'm saved. I've received it. I've believed it. It's changed me, and that's it. I've almost, if I could say it, outgrown the need for the gospel. It doesn't have that much power, impact in my life. 
I can quote it to you. I can explain it to you. I can tell somebody else about it and what it is, but it really doesn't motivate me anymore. It really doesn't reach out and grab me. It's interesting to me that Paul referred to the gospel here in Romans. This book, he referred to it 13 different times, and he refers to the gospel over 60 times, about 64 or 65 times in all of his writings, all of which, men and women, think about this, all of which were written to believers, local churches, and to pastors. And yet the apostle Paul, was led by the Holy Spirit to saturate his writings with the gospel. And he's writing to believers. What's the big deal about the gospel? Why is it so important? Not just for lost people, but for you and I. We believe that Paul wrote the book of Romans from the city of Corinth. As many believe, he wintered there on his third missionary journey. We see this in Acts chapter 20, somewhere between AD 53 and AD 58, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he had been a Christian and a preacher for more than 20 years on his way to Jerusalem. He spent three months in Corinth without any pressing duties. And it is perhaps during this time that the Lord led him to write the book of Romans. He wrote them that he had planned to visit them, but that he had to go to Jerusalem first. Now, I want you to listen to me right now. I want you to lock in. We're going to read a verse here in just a second when he talks about that he desired to impart the gospel and to preach the gospel to them that were at, at Rome. Why did Paul feel led of the Holy Spirit to write the book of Romans? Many believe it was because he feared that he wasn't going to make it to Rome, that he would never get there. Now, by the way, he did get there, but he finally got there as a political prisoner. He didn't know it on this side when he was writing the book, but he would be arrested. And while after he was arrested, while he was on a ship headed there, they were shipwrecked and he finally made it to Rome as a political prisoner. He didn't go freely preaching the gospel without bounds. He went in chains. He made it there, but not in the way that he wanted, not in the way that he anticipated and desired. And so Because God knows everything and because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, he sat down and he wrote these Roman Christians a full explanation. I call it the the gospel. He wrote a full explanation of salvation. That's why there's no doubt in my mind why some people refer to Romans as the gospel according to Paul. This was his explanation of what Jesus did for all of us. And the Holy Spirit opens up the book in verse one by having Paul center the focus on the gospel of Jesus and its impact on people. Would you look at verse one? If you have your Bible open, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, watch this, separated unto the gospel of God. Would you look down in verse nine? For God is my witness, whom I serve with my whole spirit, watch this, in the gospel of his son. Now watch this, men and women. You say, Christian, what is the gospel? Well, that's the Greek word, euangelion. That don't mean a lot 
to most of us, but here's what it literally means. It means good news, good news, good news. We get our word evangelize from that word. It means literally evangelize means to get out the good news. Now, why is it called good news? Well, it is the gospel about Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus. Everything about the gospel centers around Jesus. It is, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that chapter about the resurrection, he starts off and he says, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. Now, beloved, that's the core of the gospel. Why do we sing tonight, I will cherish the old rugged cross. Why, why until the day we draw our last breath, if this church is still in existence, why, why is it that until Jesus calls us home, we will always sing songs about the blood? Why will we always sing songs about the cross and about Calvary and about salvation? Because men and women, that is the very message that not just we're, we're told to preach, that settles everything about our life. Everything, watch this, centers around the gospel of Jesus. It's not just a buzzword. It's not just a cliche. Everything is about Christ. Everything centers around the gloriousness of salvation and the gloriousness of redemption and the beauty of the blood and the grandeur that is the gospel message and the plan of God from the foundation of the world. That's why this is so important. That's why living for God and sharing the gospel and getting serious about Jesus is not a take it or leave it proposition. I'm playing for keeps. This ain't a game for me. I didn't get in this thing because it was popular. And I'm not going to check the wind of culture to see if what I'm preaching is acceptable to the people. It, it, it's, it's not about that. God has told every single one of us. He's transformed us by the power of the gospel. And he's told us to, in light of the gloriousness of it, go deliver it to other people. So what does the gospel do to the believer? <laughs> Not just for the unsaved person, to the believer. <laughs> Notice what Paul said. Romans chapter 1, here's our text, verse 14. If you're still with me tonight, say amen right there. I am debtor, verse 14, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Stop right there. Paul says, I want you to know I'm a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians. And he goes on, to the wise and to the unwise. So what does the gospel do for and in and to the believer? First of all, stay with me now. It gives us a sense of indebtedness. A sense of indebtedness. The gospel gives us a sense of indebtedness. Paul says, I want you to know I am a debtor. To whom? Well, he mentions the Greeks and the barbarians. He talks about those that are wise and those that are unwise. 
It's interesting there that he's really referring to everybody who's a sinner. The Greeks were considered the learned people. And he uses a word here in verse 14. He says to the barbarians, the barbarians. Now, sometimes we we throw that that term barbarian around. It's It's an old English term. What does it mean? I remember when I was a kid, there was a cartoon about a barbarian. There was a show about a barbarian. What is a barbarian? We, we, we use the term barbarous or barbaric. What do we mean by that? Well, in this day and time, the Greeks used the word barbarous, a barbarian, to refer to anybody who wasn't a Greek. <laughs> Anybody, because because in their minds, being in the Greco-Roman world, if you weren't a Greek, in other words, if you weren't Greekized, and if you didn't speak the Greek language, you were considered uncultured. Uncultured. Maybe even uneducated, unsophisticated. <laughs> the Greeks considered themselves the haves, <laughs> and everybody else were the have-nots. <laughs> the Greeks were the elite people. They were the bougie people. They thought they were more special than everybody else was. and everybody, So they were up here and everybody else was down here. Good old-fashioned illustration of class warfare. By the way, can I tell you that that's always existed? There's always been the upper class, the middle class, the low class, and the no class. And I don't know where you feel like you fit in. <laughs> but can I tell you something? Regardless of where you fit in, Paul said he felt like that he was a debtor to everybody, every sinner. Christian, what was it that Paul owed to the sinners? Men and women, Paul owed the gospel to lost people. He owed the gospel. What is every believer, what do you owe to your neighbors? You owe them the gospel. What do you owe lost people? You owe them the gospel. What do I and you as a church and a community of believers owe the nations? We owe them the gospel. Why is it, brothers and sisters, that we feel compelled in our church to send missionaries and to sponsor missionaries and to pray for missionaries and to go on mission trips Why? Because Jesus has left us an urgent, urgent command to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what we owe every lost person. You and I owe every sinner this side of hell a chance to hear the gospel. That's not... It's not popular. I mean, we talk about it. We like to talk about it. We've we've done a lot of talking about it. But I ask you this question, my dear brother, my dear sister, when are we going to quit talking about it and start actually doing it? Paul said, I want you to know that the gospel gives me a sense of indebtedness 
Now hear me, brothers and sisters. This is not a guilt-driven burden. Paul wasn't guilt-tripping them. The Holy Spirit wasn't guilt-tripping Paul. This was a gospel-driven burden. Hey, if you're saved tonight, if you're saved and you remember and know what Jesus has done for you, what he's done in you, what he's done to you, Paul said that's his motivation to share the gospel with other people. It gives us, if you understand the gospel and understand what it is, it gives us a sense of indebtedness. Number two, it gives us a sense of eagerness. A sense of eagerness. Would you look at verse 15 in your Bibles? Paul said in verse 14, I am debtor. I owe the gospel to lost people. Watch this, verse 15. He says, so as much as in me is, I am ready. The word is I'm prepared. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. Now, Paul is doing more than saying, hey, I can't wait to get there so I could preach to you. That's not what he's saying. The word, I am ready, is an interesting word. And it doesn't just mean, okay, I'm prepared mentally. It literally carries the idea, watch this, of leaning forward. (laughs) You ever seen somebody in a race? They're on the starting block. (laughs) They're not sitting back here going. They're not leaning back, reclining on their hind foot. Nope. All the weight is on that front leg. And their heels are off the ground. And I'm about to fall over right now trying to do it. They're waiting on. They're waiting on. Go! Shot out like a rocket. Paul said, that's that's my stance. Anybody ever been bird hunting? quail hunting, pheasant hunting, grouse hunting. I didn't say rouse hunting, but grouse hunting. One of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of is several years ago, I went quail hunting here in East North Carolina. I was more impressed by the dogs than I was anything else. I'm telling you, brother and sister, that blew me away. And those dogs, very well-trained, very well-trained, smarter than me. I guarantee you that for sure. Buddy, whenever, when, when they locate quail, they okay, I don't look like a bird dog. I know that. But anyway, I can't imitate it. But they're, they, they kind of get like that right there. And then the master, the owner, he'd, he'd give them this command, and they'd be sitting there, and their back leg, their back leg would just start shaking like that. Son, they, they was ready to go. They were ready to go after those quail. I know this is probably silly to you. This is probably silly to you. But this is, man, this, this resonates in my mind when I think about that, that. That here's Paul, and he's saying, hey, hey, it's, hey, hey. I can't, I can't wait to get there so I can. And the word preach, the word preach. You know, we think about preaching from behind the podium, behind the pulpit, like what happens on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's not what Paul's talking about. The word preach here literally means to announce the good news. Wait a minute, let me ask you a question. 
Can you tomorrow with somebody, can you announce the gospel to them? Can you announce the good news to them? Sure you can. Paul said, I'm telling you, my, my disposition, I'm sitting on G waiting on O. I ain't just ready to go. I'm ready to give the gospel to somebody. I can't wait. <laughs> Man, the gospel it gives us a sense of indebtedness. It gives us a sense of eagerness. And then finally, don't close your Bibles yet. Hang on. It gives us a sense of boldness. Look at what he says in verse 16 in your Bible. Would you please notice this? He says, verse 14, I'm debtor. I have a sense of indebtedness. Verse 15, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I have a sense of eagerness. And then verse 16, don't miss this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. One writer called verse 16 and 17 the thesis statement of the entire book of Romans. He says, I am not ashamed. Let me give you a transliteration. He means I am confident in the gospel message. I'm bold. And the power of the gospel has emboldened me. And I'm not embarrassed. Watch this. I'm not intimidated. I don't have to go around and hang my head because I'm a Christian. I don't have to tiptoe up to somebody and ask them if they're saved. I don't have to be scared, anxious, intimidated about saying, hey, sir, do you know the Lord? No, you, you don't have to. Paul said you can be bold. You, there's a sense of boldness about declaring the gospel. Why can I be bold to share the gospel? Well, first of all, because we know who it came from and who it's about. He says here, the gospel of Christ. That means it's the gospel from Jesus and it's the gospel about Jesus. See, we, hey, y'all, we know, we know who wrote the book. We know who gave us the story. We know who it's about. But not only that, we can have boldness to share the gospel because we know what it can do in somebody's life. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Watch this. Because it is the power of God unto what? Salvation. The word power there is the word dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. <laughs> I heard preachers years ago talk about gospel dynamite, gospel dynamite, gospel dynamite. Can I tell you something? I've experienced, and you have too, some of that gospel dynamite that it has radically revolutionized our life. The gospel of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the clarity of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel, the availability of the gospel. It changes everything, everything. You know why you can be bold to share the gospel with somebody tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, any day of the week? It's because you know what the gospel can do. It changed you. It transformed you. It forgave your sins. 
It wrote your name in heaven. It gave you a reason to live. It transformed you from the inside out. Jesus did. But he used the message of the gospel. It's interesting, we don't give the gospel power. (laughs) We only unleash the power when we share it with somebody else. It already has the power that it needs. So you can be bold to share the gospel because you know who it came from and who it's about. You know what it can do in somebody else's life and because you know who it's for. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation, watch this, to everybody, to everyone who would believe. To the Jew first. Those are the religious people. To the Greeks, those are the sophisticated people. And then we already mentioned up in verse 14, he talked about the uncultured and the uneducated and the unwanted and the unlovable and the unlovely. So you know who Paul says the gospel is for? Everybody. And you and I can have boldness to declare the gospel and share the gospel. Because watch this, men and women, get ready to pray. You can never give the gospel to the wrong person. And everybody that you come in contact with, everybody I meet, everybody I come in contact with is a candidate for the gospel of Jesus. Glory to God. So here's the takeaway. All right. Lean in, listen carefully. Intimidation, fear, anxiety. And by the way, all of us have it when it comes to this. Intimidation, fear, and anxiety can all melt away as we have confidence and boldness in the Lord to share the gospel with lost people. Will you let God help you? And then this last statement, let's all tonight start by asking Jesus to put us under a prayer burden for somebody. Seriously, articulate that to the Lord even now. Jesus put me under a prayer burden and lead me to meet someone who needs Jesus. You say, Preacher, how do I know if they need Jesus? (laughs) There's only one way to find out. (laughs) Ask them. Talk to them. And share the gospel with them. (laughs) If they're a believer, they'll tell you. (laughs) Just start by talking to them. How many of you believe that when you start praying for God to give you a burden, how many of you think that's that's a prayer request that Jesus wants to answer? That's what the gospel does to us. That's what it does to us and for us. And through the power of God, may he help us (laughs) to share the gospel.